Today we continue in our message series in the book of Philippians. And today we're moving to Philippians chapter 3, verse 15. We were in chapter 3 last week, but today we're going to ver- uh, focus on Philippians 3, 15. And we've talked about this a little bit in our midweek uh, gathering. But we want to lay a little more information and explanation. As you recall, we discussed, and and I facilitated discussion, but uh, we want to uh, expound upon the scripture today from Philippians 3.15. So let's read that together. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Now, you may be following along on different versions, and you'll run across some different words, and we will get there, but let's read this again. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. As many of us who are Mature. Can we be mature in this lifetime? What is mature? You might look at a young person and say, well, that's a, that's a mature young, young man or young woman. So in the scripture, it's like, well, what is mature? And we might attribute that to our understanding of what that word might mean. And if we look there, we'll say, well, as many as are, many of us that are mature. Clearly, he's saying as many of us that are mature, not will be mature, but are mature. So it seems reasonable that in this lifetime, Paul saying as many as, therefore let us, as many as are mature among himself and others, that you can be mature. And you might think, so. okay. But if we look in the passage of Scripture, we might also find that in other places it says of full age. Of many as you, it would be of full age when it uses the Greek word that's behind this, refers to it as full age. Well, that's a little bit different. But clearly Paul's saying that it occurs in this lifetime. And if we say, as many of you are mature, that seems like something that, you know, is, we can put our hands around that, we can think around that, but it's also the same word, the same Greek word, if we go to Matthew 5.48, the same Greek word is there, and it may be translated a little bit differently, or a different word, depending on the translation you have, but Verse 48, it says, therefore, Matthew 5, 38, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay? It's the same word. I think maybe it would almost seem there's this uncomfortability on how to translate the word 
because in the one place he says, as many of you are mature. Now, if they had said many of you are perfect, people would say, well, I can't be perfect in this lifetime. So, like, well, mature seems more reasonable. It's, it's that completeness. So let's go with mature, because I can swallow what the Bible's saying if I say, as many of you are mature in this lifetime, but certainly you can't be perfect in this lifetime. So it seems like, well, let's use that thing I can get my hands around. Things that I might be understanding. So, but if I use the same approach, then I should be saying in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Therefore, you shall be mature, just as your Father in heaven is mature. Well, that just reads a little bit weird. Okay, so what? God's Father is mature? It just doesn't have the, the words complete, the words perfect in several places. Therefore, you shall be mature just as your Father in heaven is mature. So let's combine the two verses together because we've talked about that you can be perfect, mature, in this lifetime, if we use that Greek word. So first... Therefore, Matthew 5, 48, Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And if I go over to Philippians 3, 15, and I use the word perfect as it is in some translations, Therefore let us many as are perfect have this mind, and if anything you shall think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. We are to be perfect. Even as our Father in heaven is perfect. And as many as us that are perfect. Even in this lifetime. So we can be perfect in this lifetime. Whatever perfect means. And it seems that there's that challenge between that perfect and mature. (coughs) But when I read to you that As many of you are mature, that was easy to accept. You accepted the logic that you can be mature in this lifetime. But if I substitute the word in, perfect, which is also the meaning of that word, well, now we got a hiccup because we see so many things about I'm not perfect or you can't be perfect. So how do we grasp this word? That's translated meaning the word perfect or complete. You've heard me preach on this before, but John Wesley, and we are Wesleyan Arminian by theology grouping, called this Christian perfection. Christian perfection. And you might remember this illustration, and I might have covered it the other night. But if we think of that apple blossom... And you think of, if you see an apple blossom or any kind of fruit tree, or maybe for you it's that blossom on the pumpkin vine, or whatever it comes, when it comes out, it's perfect in the state that it's at. It's a perfect apple blossom, it's a perfect, whatever that bud is, it's coming on that fruit, or that vegetable. It's perfect in that place. Whether you use an apple or a pumpkin, 
I think you can get the analogy. But it's perfect in that place. But it's not ultimately perfect. It's not the perfect apple. So we're not saying here that you're the perfect apple, because earlier we read, Paul talks about, I, have not, I am not perfected. But where I, my attitudes are and where my devotion is, in this Christian perfection, having surrendered my life to God, I can be in this place where I still need to grow. But I can be a, in a place of Christian perfection. <clears throat> Loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I still need to continue to grow. Because if I am perfect as the apple blossom, if I stop growing, I'll die on the vine or die on the plant. So you, can't, you just can't stay there. There's an illustration I've read before and, and presented before as <clears throat> somebody got up and testified and said, I'm so saved, I am sanctified, and nothing's changed between me and God since. In other words, they checked off some boxes, but they don't have an active and living relationship with God. So they checked off an action. They said, yeah, I surrendered it to God at some point in my life, but you have to be in that continual place of Christian perfection that I'm continuing to put my surrendered life in God's hands. Remember, in Romans it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present yourself on that altar, surrender to God. Paul says, I die out daily. You have to leave yourself in a surrendered place. That living sacrifice can kind of crawl off the altar, if you, if you would. But we live in the center of God's will, and I think that's when... John Wesley talks about Christian perfection. It's that completeness. Because if you remember, Paul said, if we link it back to this concept of maturity, see, that perfect word seems to, the Greek word translated to perfect or complete, it's that, maybe not the same word we think of perfect today, but it is that completeness, that, that perfect, that Christian perfection. He talked to them in Corinthians, he says, he talked to them about being carnally minded, where there were strifes and things before, between them. And we would understand that to mean that's that pride, that arrogance, and they're fighting for me first, you know, like a little kid does. And he called them babes in Christ. Well, if you contrast babes in Christ with maturity, and then that same section of Scripture, he talks about those, those that are spiritual... Kind of like here where he's saying, those of us who are mature, or those of us who are perfect, 
And the challenge becomes is what is meant for you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect and it's using the same perfect. It's, it's tricky. But I think the message we have to watch is we don't, there's a, there is a place that is perfect in the sense that we can be in the center of God's will having not arrived as the apple but growing as the apple blossom. Surrender to God and allowing Him to keep maturing us, as it were. Because one of the signs, I think, of a mature person is they're willing to learn and continue to mature, if you will. There was a time in my life uh, that I got a pilot's license, and the instructor told me after I got the pilot's license that now I have a license to learn. To gain from that experience, from that place of strength. See, the, the challenge we have is that we can set aside and say, well, Nobody, you've seen the sticker, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. That can be true in the absolute sense, but you also have to be careful we don't say, well, you know, it's just the way I was born. So, but we're all born in sin. And so we give ourselves a pass. I don't need to work on that because, you know, I just tend to have a hot temper. So, you know, you just need to love me the way I am. Or I just tend to, whatever it is. So we settle for a defeated life, never having victory over sin. Thinking, oh well. But see, if I'm always in the oh well and always in the defeated, and I settle for that, I never move on to the next place. as an apple blossom. I'm stuck. I keep going back. Laying aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets me. Keeps tripping me up. The thing that keeps tripping me up, you're like, that's just the thing that keeps tripping me up. I'll never get victory over that until I get to heaven. No, that's not, that's not the way it has to be. If we confess our sins, he faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. Paul, uh, David said, created me a clean heart. It's, there's this cleansing that can take place as we surrender to God. We consecrate. That's where we dedicate ourselves to him. He sanctifies us, sets us apart, and he can cleanse us from the unrighteousness. That's that sin nature. Sometimes depending on older versions or what, what are the carnal nature. Some of you might say the fleshly nature. But we are born in sin. We can have victory over that too. The blood of Jesus is capable to provide us the victory over not only for the forgiveness of sins, but the victory over sin itself. 
So we can be in a place of Christian perfection in this lifetime that I don't have to be a servant of sin no longer. You know, and just because something comes to my mind as a temptation doesn't make it a sin. We don't have to sin in word, thought, or deed every day. I would hate to be living in a defeatist place where it's like I will never have victory, that I can't live without sin. It's always sin. But you have to look at the definition of sin. James 4, 17. James 4, 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin or... Again, I think this is the Wesley definition, but to him that knoweth to do good, doeth it not to him sin. So it's going against the known will of God. We're accountable for what God expects of us. God says do it, we should do it. If God says don't do it, we shouldn't do it. That's sin. If I'm tempted, you know, you're on the internet. Things pop up. You didn't ask for it to pop up. You didn't want it to pop up. But because it popped up, you're like, oh, and you look away. Well, you didn't sin. You did not yield to the temptation. A temptation pops in your mind. You didn't, and you get rid of it. You didn't dwell on it. It's not sin. You didn't yield to the temptation. If being tempted to do something is sin, then we got a little bit of a problem with our theology because Christ was tempted in the wilderness. Sometimes you're pre- presented with the opportunity to sin, but you choose not to. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So temptation's not sin. We don't have to sin. We can be in place of Christian perfection, surrender to God, doing everything he wants us to do, and live in Victory. It's not some new thought. You might have heard some other places. This is part of the doctrine of several denominations, including our own. And if you wonder what that is, it's 3CU, which is Churches of Christ in Christian Union. That's where the 3Cs come from, Church of Christ in Christian Union. Nazarenes, Wesleyans, several other denominations have that same doctrine or teaching. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and doeth not to him sin. So, if that's sin, we don't have to sin in word, thought, or deed every day. We're not comparing ourselves to the absolute. We're comparing ourselves to what God expects to us as the apple blossom that's surrendered. God does not expect a two-month-old in 
Christian. I don't mean a two-month-old child. I mean a two-month-old Christian. They've been a Christian for two months. They expect more out of somebody who's been a Christian for 50 years. He expects more. By the time I've been a Christian for 50 years, there's a few things I should know better of and not do. We don't have to live in sin. We can have victory over sin. We can live in this Christian perfection. Now as we walk the road, God will begin to chastise us. Just like a child grows and you give him more responsibilities. And he says, you can't do that. What do you mean? You're not... Don't. And he chastises us. We counteract God. We can still sin. We don't have to sin. We can. But we don't have to. We can live in victory. Now you may say, Pastor, I don't know about what you're saying. Well, let's go over to 1 John 2, 1 to 6. 1 John 2, 1 to 6. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says that he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Now go back to verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, so that you may not sin. And if you sin. Not when you sin, if you sin. So that you may not sin. And if anyone sins. You don't have to, but if you do. You don't have to, but if you do. The goal is for you not to, and it's accomplishable in this life, but you don't have to. Can you say yes? Can you backslide? Yes. But can you have victory? Can you live in a place that you're in the center of God's will, doing what he expects, and thankful maybe that you don't have the same responsibility as somebody who's been a Christian for 50 years that God has higher expectations of? Because how fair would that be to put the expectations he puts on a someone who's been a Christian 50 years on someone that's been 
they're a Christian, even surrendered to God, but now they're just getting ready. They have a license to learn. They're just opened up their hearts, surrendered their will to God, and allow Him to teach them. They're saying, God, come and cleanse my heart from the sin nature. And now I need you, Lord, as it says in Romans 12, to renew my mind, break these old habits, mature me. We can live in victory. The song says, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. How can there be victory if I am stuck continually sinning? And that is my plight. The blood of Jesus and through his resurrection allows us to have victory, not just forgiveness, and victory in this life. We don't have to live depressed and defeated all the time. We can have victory. We can have, we'll have challenges. But we can have victory. The blood of Jesus is able. Let's be standing together. Father God, we do thank you for your word and the truth of your word. And we pray that we can have a vo- that we desire a victorious life with you, where we can have forgiveness of our sins and that you can come and cleanse us from that carnal nature. And Lord, if we do, and we may, trip up that we have an advocate with the Father that we can have forgiveness of our sins. But help us to realize we don't have to be defeated and live a defeated life and constantly be tripped up by the same sin over and over again. We say, God, here I am. I give myself to you. I'm having trouble with this. Come and cleanse me. Help us to desire victory and not become complacent saying, well, oh well. Lord, help us to surrender lives to you completely. Completely say, here, Lord, here am I. May you be Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins, but may you now be Lord of my life. I give my will to you. Help me to stop debating with you about doing this or doing that. Help me just to desire your will and inquire of you and try to discern your will because I desire your will. I'm not asking your opinion. I'm asking your direction. Guide us, we pray. Help us, the Lord, to be open going deeper with you and live in a place of victory. In Jesus' name, amen.